Hi, yes. Welcome in. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. Hope everybody's having a great Monday so far. Welcome in Steelman and Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studio. And as always, hour number one, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Heating and air needs, you need those addressed, take it care of. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Home comfort you can trust. Parker Thune. That game was uh, very difficult on an old person's heart Saturday, but the Sooners found a way to get it done. They were an 18-point favorite. They win the game by two points. And you know what? I don't think I'm super angry about it, though. You know, I know there's some Sooner fans, and there's no way if you keep playing that way you're going to run the table. I get that. But what I'm still impressed with is the fact that Oklahoma finds a way. When they really have to make plays, they find a way. Now, do we think this OU football team, something we talked about all week, would be taking UCF lightly? I said, and I think you concurred, that we don't think Brent Venables and his staff will allow that. I still don't think that happened. I think what happened was the defense came out there and just stuffed UCF on four straight possessions. The offense couldn't get in gear. Zach Schmidt could not make a simple field goal. And all the momentum the defense had put out there just kind of went away because of that. Yeah, Steely, well, first off, if my voice sounds a little hoarse over the duration of this show, it's because I've spent the last 36 hours chanting, O-F-U! O-F-U! Believe me, that's coming, second segment. That is coming. By the way, we're being told that uh, no players will be available for interviews after today's show, by the way. That's it. Nobody. So great. But so yeah, great. look, as as far as this game goes on Saturday, Steely, it was weird, wasn't it? Was, it? Like, really was. Just to, and you didn't know how to feel in the aftermath because it was almost the exact inverse of the 2022 season. Rather than the Sooners faltering in the fourth quarter, they came alive in the fourth quarter, which was nice to see. However, as Jeff Lebby said in postgame, well, at a certain point, when you just let the opponent hang around like that, you're leaving it to chance. No doubt. So the fourth quarter was great. I'd like to see four quarters of that type of football as opposed to one. Yeah, and we were hoping that was going to be a breakout run game for Oklahoma. UCF's run defense wasn't very good. UCF's offense, particularly with John Rice Plumley available, and I know he was probably 85% or whatever, he was sick, uh, not quite the runner that he has been in the past, but still somewhat dangerous because he could still take off. But they wasted that great effort from the defense early in the game, and I think that killed the momentum. Now, again, to me, you've got to hope this is a one-off type game because you've got two tough ones coming up with KU this Saturday in Lawrence with Daniels available, and then Ollie Gordon's running like Eric Dickerson, you know, for Oklahoma State right now. The Cowboys have some confidence. Next two weeks are going to tell a lot. That they will, Steely. And you, I think you said exactly what you needed to say right off the bat. Because if we're if we're reflecting on this game that was at Owen Field on Saturday and how things got so out of hand, how Oklahoma let a team that has yet to win a game in Big Twelve play hang around all the way until the final whistle, you have to start with UCF's first four drives. And when the first four drives of the game for the Knights are three and outs. And after all that, you're only up seven to nothing on the scoreboard. 
That's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. That can't happen. No, you're right. And I think UCF has a pretty good offense. I think that's a better football team than what we it saw is. against Kansas. Like, when they've got their guys ready to go, you know, they were averaging around 500 yards a game. So the Sooners held them to, what, 397, I think it was? So it was <laughs> way less than yeah. their average. But still, got to be better. That offensive line, which is so good in pass protection, you know, they've got to get some nasty in them and blow some people off the football. I don't get it. You know, Gavin Sawchuck. At least we saw some Gavin Sawchuck breakout stuff after a horrible early start for Sawchuck. You know, he came back and uh, and looked really good down the stretch. That team is a better football team than their record shows. I UCF think so too. is better. And, like, I will give credit to Gus Malzahn and offensive coordinator Darren Henshaw. They called a heck of a football game. They kept the Sooner defense on their heels. Yeah, when they, Woody Washington bites like that, that's surprising. That 86-yard uh-huh. touchdown, and again, he was lulled into it. I know they worked on that all week, but again, when they had to make the plays, when they were down, Parker, 65-yard drive, 80-yard drive, Drake Stoops is clutch. How about the block by Jaden Gibson on his touchdown? And then uh, Tawi Walker <laughs> looking over to the sidelines. Kind of bizarre, but still great. Uh, and again, when they needed to play, Kendall Dolby's right there, and they guarded the two-point play as well as you can. Yeah. Well, and Scary Gary says, we have to quit playing with our food on the mm-hmm. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet. I like that. And, and uh, that is really the first time all year, though, that Oklahoma has truly played with its food. You think maybe, SMU it, played them close-ish. Yeah, you like kind of get the feeling that, again, Levy was kind of just trying to – I don't know. It was that SMU game was really strange too. But you're right. When SMU drew within three, what did they do? Yeah, it was boom, a killer boom. instinct from that football team. Yeah. They shut that down, and it it was almost like they tried to do the same thing with UCF. Like they just tried to crank up the heat in the fourth quarter and run away. And UCF made that tougher on them than SMU did. But I mean, you, you brought up Drake Stoops again. Individual example right there of a guy that turned it on in the fourth quarter, but you look at the way that he performed over the first three quarters, left a lot to be desired. He gift-wrapped an interception to the Knights' defense. So the fourth quarter was great football from the Sooners, all things considered. The first three, man, it was ugly. Maybe DG led him a little too much on that pass, but, yeah, I can see what you're saying. But, man, I tell you who they're going to miss next year, Drake Soups. Big time. That guy's Mr. Reliable. He's tough as nails. And uh, man came through again when they needed him Saturday. Let's hear from Brent Venables afterwards. This was Brent talking about uh, the Sooners squeaking out a victory. You know, you look at what happened to Washington. They were not impressive at all. Not at all. Uh, Virginia goes in, beats North Carolina. Texas struggled, got lucky, got some calls going in their direction against Houston over the weekend. So sometimes you got to win ugly. That's what the Sooners did. BV was very happy they found a way to just get that win. There's not a a, a team I've been a part of, a a championship team. Uh, Sometimes it's really, really good teams. Maybe you didn't win a championship, but you got to win different kinds of ways. If in a perfect world, we'll continue to get better. We'll continue to learn. We'll f- continue to figure out different kinds of ways to win, and and not um, peak too soon. But plenty of of games and plenty of championship teams that uh, that go through one of the ah, you know, or several of those ah, 
And that's not a lot of fun, you know, in the middle of it, but um, there's lots of ways to do it. Yeah, and the Sooners, again, they found a way to get it done. Dylan Gabriel, again, wasn't at his best again Saturday. Missed some throws again. But, again, when the game was on the line, this is Dylan talking about the offense, and uh, they knew exactly what they had to do. It did come down to those two drives, you know, and we had to go score if we wanted to win the game. So, um, you know, whether it's back against the wall and we needed to or, or the guys just, you know, find a way to win, I think the, the mixture of that too is, is something that, you know, is the difference. I'd just go back to belief, you know, belief in one another. Um, I'd love to say, you know, we drank different Gatorade and in the fourth, but, yeah, but I, I think just the belief in one another and knowing that. But, you know, you get confidence from, you know, too many drives or uh, being in, in crucial moments and finding ways to win. I think that creates confidence, although we did, you know, put ourselves in that position. It's, it's important for us to, you know, get ourselves out of it. I think it's worth noting, Steely, that really without exception, thus far in 2023, every time the Sooners have needed a drive, they've put together a drive, which begs the question, how do you get this offense to function as if every drive is a gotta-have-it drive? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like they lock in a little bit more. They, they've they been clutch. This team has certainly been clutch, and they were again on Saturday. Those are Ortho Central clips of the day, by the way. Ortho Central Clinics in Norman and Midwest City. Now the Tri-City location, which serves Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine Injuries. All right, 405-651-3439. All right, Tawi Walker, what in the wide, wide (laughs) world of sports is he thinking? Well, I mean, look. Dude. Mouth off to the coaches. You cost your team. You cost your team big time because if you're out there when that offensive line is not pushing the defensive line around, which they weren't for a lot of that game, who's the bowling ball that gets the extra yardage? Tawi Walker. But I, to that point, Steely, I think Saturday underscored a sad reality for Oklahoma, which is that you missed Tawi Walker. Oh, big time. And look, yes. I, that, that's no knock on Tawi Walker whatsoever. He's been exceptional for Oklahoma. But when the meat and potatoes of your run game, the best option you have on the ground is a guy that might run a 4 8 40 lumbering straight downhill for five yards at a time, that's an indictment on the state of your backfield. Yeah, well, Gavin Sawchuck looked good down the stretch after a very shaky start, but look, Tommy Walker's worked for everything, you know, and the coaching staff's praised him a lot, but I, I don't get that, man. Like I said, you can't do that kind of stuff. You cost your team, man. You should have been out there. Uh, and it's he's going to be back this week against Kansas, but that is uh, that's not the route to go. All right, we got so much to talk about, and we've got the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line just blowing up already. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Fun with Mule Shoe when we get back, and guess what? Everything doesn't run through Lubbock either. <laughs> oh, Tech three and five, so great. But Saturday night in L.A. Glorious. Absolutely glorious. Classic Grinch, classic mule shoe post game. It doesn't get any better. Stay with us. Saturday night was absolutely uh, glorious. So much fun. 
A uh, pig farming quarterback who worked at Lowe's defeated the uh, Heisman Trophy winner and future number one NFL overall draft pick. Yes, 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 it was a lot of fun. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us, Mike Steele, Parker Thune with you. We do have Jesse Crittenden coming up today at 1.35 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. 135 for Jesse. All right, so uh, it's always fun to do a USC mashup when they lose. Recently did uh, we did uh, Notre Dame beats USC Rudy style. This week we are going with Utah beats USC Seinfeld style. And you'll, you'll Seinfeld know, style. Yeah, we got some Seinfeld transitions and stingers in there. So here we go. Second down for Barnes. Pressure coming. He runs. Barnes across the 40. And he's inside the 20. Gets 26 yards. And now Utah is in position for a field goal. Wow. Definitely not a feeling uh, that I want to get used to. Um, yeah, as gut wrenching a defeat as I can remember in my career. We got a Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. We got a, we got ourselves a pig farmer at quarterback. So, so uh, we're, we're proud of that guy too. How great was that Saturday night? I mean, that was that was everything <laughs> Muleshoe ever did in one game. Because this time he did the the icing on the cake. Notre Dame, of course, you know, we saw what happened there. They got out physical, and their defense actually paid, played decent by their standards in the Notre Dame game, but Caleb was horrible. But this time around, what did we get? We got the loss, and we got no players available in the postgame, which was classic Mule right? Now, that was awesome. And what's... <laughs> What makes it all the more invigorating is that the USC media has effectively declared digital war on Muleshoe now. They've all come around to see the man that we all knew when he was the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. A man that treated the media like an inconvenience. Now, you know, and you know what? Not even like an inconvenience. I don't mind being treated like an inconvenience as a member of the media. Because to be honest, a lot of these coaches and players probably don't have any desire to go stand in front of a bunch of reporters and yeah, ask questions. I get the football that. Game. That's fine. But when you take it a step further and you start treating the, me- the media with paranoia as if they are spies out to bring you down, that crosses the line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he got destroyed by Bill Plaschke the other day. Bill Plaschke, the longtime L.A. Times columnist who – said that they were going to run the table. This is going to be a special season. He bought into the Mule Shoe BS, and he destroyed We've all been there. yesterday. We've all been there. There's and no shame in that. The uh, the USC broadcasters, they didn't destroy him, but they were like, well, this is just the new regime. You know, when they, <laughs> we understand that uh, no players are going to be made available for the postgame. Well, you know, this is just the new regime, folks, basically saying Mule Shoe's a, you know, what? So just classic, absolutely classic. And you talk about 
another culture victory without Cameron Rising, who's now they've ruled him out for the year. Bryson Barnes was oh, literally working at Lowe's two months ago. That's right. He was working at Lowe's. Alex Grinch blew a lead, allowed a 26-yard <laughs> scamper into field goal range in the closing seconds to a guy that was working at Lowe's. That's right. A guy that was selling you hardware. Dude, if they would have put a Lowe's apron on him after the game, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Had him roll around in some pig slop to celebrate because that's who you lost to. Look, that kid, man, he's gutty. He played well. Yeah, man. And the scary thing was Utah was in control of that game, and then the pick six changed everything. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to sneak out of this. How about Bear Alexander? And, of course, of course, it is the guy that mule shoot. You know what? I shouldn't say what I want to say because he might have his moles listening and how's that, sue me for life. How's that penthouse but, apartment looking in Exactly. I, they literally accommodated that dude with a penthouse apartment to get called for targeting on a pig farmer with a minute left <laughs> in the football game against Kyle Whittingham's Utah Utes. And what I, what I thought was hilarious about the whole ordeal is that you knew exactly what was going to happen as soon as Caleb Williams waltzed into the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown, right? With all that time left, yeah. You thought that, With hey, almost two minutes yeah. to play, all you got to get is a field goal. What are the odds that Alex Grinch's defense is making a stand there? As close to zero as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, basically the story of USC versus Utah is you could just have a fist fight between Lincoln Riley and Kyle Whittingham at midfield, and it would be over in like three seconds because they're just tougher. They've got a better culture, and they did it again Saturday night. So great. Now, you know, you've, you've got uh, Washington, Oregon. You have to go to Eugene. You play Washington at home. You've got UCLA at home. You've got Cal this week. But remember, they've already played eight games, right? They're 6-2. and two. So you're looking at very likely 8-4 and four for SC, right? Maybe I would six, say so. Like maybe 7-5. Seven 7-5 and five. Seven and five is on the table. UCLA is not bad. Gosh, what if they go seven and five? What if after everything they did, and we talked about it in the offseason, how UCF was gunning for a national title, how they were unloading the clip, doing everything possible. Like the addition of Bear Alexander told you all you needed to know if you had any doubt. Right. USC was gunning for a national title in 2023. How hilarious is it going to be if in the year that Mule Shoe sold out to try and bring a championship to SoCal, he ends up seven and five or eight and four, and playing in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Please go to Shreveport. <laughs> Send him to Shreveport, please. So great. What do you think about old Emmanuel Acho putting the tweet out there? Time for Caleb Williams, you know, to okay, just well. call it a career. He got destroyed too, as he should have. But Emmanuel Acho has always had some less than stellar takes. You, and that was certainly one of them. Do you think there's any chance Caleb Williams might consider that? Think Carl's in his ear? Carl's Jr.? Caleb played in the Alamo Bowl. He did. After Muleshoe left him behind. But he, he is, wasn't, you know, he wasn't draft eligible and could be the number one overall pick at that point okay, either. And, and, and that's fair. I think that is a competitive enough kid 
that he is not going to opt out of anything. I could be dead wrong. And, like, you saw Isaac Stoops yesterday come out and say via Twitter, Caleb's one of the best team guys I've ever been around. He did say that. He, he would said, never do that. He said so, he was dogging Emmanuel Acho yes. in that tweet, not Caleb. And so there are a lot of folks on the OU end, and I am certainly one of them, that will stick up for Caleb's competitive spirit. But the caveat I will add is that it's been almost two years since any of us interacted with him on a meaningful basis. Mm -hmm. So two years of time and fame and hype have had the opportunity to elapse. There was some of the look at me. I'm so disappointed over here on the bench. You know, people were dogging him. Get out there and shake their hand or whatever. But uh, that didn't happen. So, yeah, you're right. We, I, when Caleb was here, I thought he was great, you know, with the media and everything, even though really he didn't get to deal with the media hardly at all. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, everybody seemed to like the kid. Um, who knows? I mean, he's, he's got lots of NIL dollars now, lots of fame and fortune. That can change a person. Oh, by the way, one more time, let's do this, because Texas Tech lost over the weekend, too. Don't forget about Joey McGuire. <laughs> Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Hey, maybe you haven't been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, pal. Everything runs through Lubbock. Joey. Joey. They're laughing at you on the street. Ain't nobody laughing at me on the street. Behind your back, I seen them laughing at you, fella. No, no. Oh, Tech went to uh, Pro Bowl and got 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 it handed to See, him twenty seven to fourteen. This is how you know that Steely truly has it out for the Sand Aggies <laughs> because the Monday after Muleshoe dropped his third in a row to Kyle Whittingham, Steely's still running the Joey McGuire oh, sound yeah. clip. Yeah, everything runs through love. I trust me. I I I do not think, in all sincerity. There is a single member of Sooner Nation that paid any attention to the outcome yep. of the Texas Tech BYU game. Every single member of Sooner Nation that had their Saturday evening free was watching Kyle Whittingham oh, and yeah. pig farmer Bryson Barnes put the finishing touches on Muleshoe and Alex Grinch. When is Alex Grinch being relieved of duty, Steely? When is it happening? Yeah, does he have something on Muleshoe? He must. He must have something, something on the Mule dossier. Got it. Got a secret dossier like Raven Reddington saying, "Hey, you get rid of me. <laughs> I set this free right here." On the text line, the recruiting doomer says, "I'll tell you what was really awesome was seeing Mule Shoe not only lose to Utah, but he's also going to have to switch from the old visor with that hair loss." <laughs> Stillwater Sooner says, "Mule Shoe is a snake." Kyle Whittingham is a mongoose. There you go. Well said. Very well said. All right, let's take a break. Let's do all of your texts coming up in the next segment because it is flying. They are just they're rolling in. So we're going to get to as many as we can, 405-651-3439. But the icing on the cake again, I think I, it was about a five-inch vertical leap off my couch when the field goal went through. Scared the dogs. But then to hear that Lincoln Riley made no players available for the post game, it's like it is unraveling in LA. I love it. Be right back. Keep it here on the ref. Yes, welcome back. It is the Monday edition of Steel Man and Thune Riverwind Casino. We had a great show with the Gin Blossoms and Tonic, Final Beats and Bites show 
of the season over the weekend. And now let's be thinking about those shows at the Showplace Theater, including Rodney Carrington with two shows coming up Friday night, one at 7, one at 10 o'clock. Rodney Carrington coming up this Friday night. Get your tickets at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. Big shows in November, Aaron Lewis, November 9th, Flatland Cavalry, November 10th, Justin Moore, November 18th, and December Pete Davidson again, December 3rd. That's a big show. Get your tickets now. They're going quickly. Lee Bryce, December 15th. Ron White, December 30th. New Year's Eve show with Midland at the Showplace Theater in January. We have Boys to Men and comedian Joe Coy. And in February, Scotty McCreary with many more to come at the Showplace Theater. Get your tickets at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. Final drawings for the 80K Friday Night Frights. Promotion, get out there this Friday night, win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. They also have the 20K Festival of Frights happening uh, on Saturday, October 28th. This Saturday, get there and win your share of $20,000 in cash and bonus play. So $100,000 up for these two great promotions. And they have the Ghostly Good Time uh, costume contest happening Saturday night as well. So wear a costume out to Riverwind, get registered, and win some money there if you have a great costume. So everything happening, of course. Everything runs through River Riverwind. Everything does. Not Lubbock. Everything. Everything runs through Riverwind. Everything. Sorry. Okay, 405-651-3439. Oh, we, uh, we have barely scratched the surface as far as Mule Shoe is concerned. Yeah. yeah like, there is so much to unpack. I don't, we didn't even really get into the fact that he didn't make any players available. And I'm trying to think whether that ever happened at OU. For some reason, I feel like it did. I just can't remember the specific instance. And I could be wrong. But I feel like there was some there was some instance. It's seared in the back of my head somewhere. Well, the text made, line will let us know, right? Yeah. Well, well, of course I don't know we have the student will. union incident, right? The student union well, not the, uh, No, 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 no. The journalism students, of course. On top ah, of yes. Journalism. That's, okay, yeah. that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. That's what I'm thinking of. He's it's as simple paranoid. as that. That dude is so paranoid. Yes, he's the most paranoid head football coach in the entire Power Five, and that's no longer debatable. I will say this. Football coaches, by nature, are more paranoid than other coaches. But Muleshoe takes it to a completely different level. I mean, completely different level. By the way, before we go to the text line, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, where was Eddie Pierre-Louis? Uh, he didn't make it in. Why? 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 <laughs> I haven't got a straight answer on that yet, Steely. It's not something I'm overly concerned with right now. I'll just tell you that much, though. Hmm. Would not be sweating it, at least not yet. Uh, Cherokee Sooner says, Kyle and the Trojan Killers appearing this weekend at Riverwind <laughs> Casino. <laughs> I like it. Uh, 715 listener, that's Wisconsin, says, I find it so funny to see all these Texas fans saying that our close win looked worse than their close win. I mean, how bad was that spot in the Texas game? It was atrocious. It was brutal. And my big beef with it is, if you look at that on replay and conclude that you don't have sufficient evidence to overturn the call on the field, fine. But at least look at it on replay. Is Gordon Reese Jr. up there in the replay booth or what? I don't see anything. I mean, geez, ridiculous. Uh, Quinn Ewers, man. Quinn Ewers. 
They think he's coming back late in the season, but now we'll, at this we'll point, see Malik Murphy. The prognosis is four to five weeks. Yep. So at, at this point, he's either coming back for the regular season finale mm-hmm. or he's coming back for the Big 12 championship game, assuming Texas gets there. And yeah. all of a sudden, there's a, there's a new wrinkle in this Red River rematch collision course because now Texas has to cope for several weeks without their starting quarterback. They will. Their regular season finale is a Friday night game. The Sooners play Friday morning against TCU, 11 a.m. They play Tech Friday night in Austin on ABC in the regular season finale. Now, the schedule the rest of the way is not daunting for Texas. They play BYU. They play Kansas State, both at home. They go on the road to TCU, which does not look like a good football team Mm -hmm. right now. TCU is so mysterious. It's like one week you're like, okay. Uh Looks like they're coming back and like, man, they're horrible. They travel to Iowa State, and then they close out the regular season at home against Texas Tech, which, again, like you look at that five-game stretch and figure, okay, Texas being Texas, they shouldn't have any trouble navigating those five games even without their starting quarterback and Quinn Ewers. But this is also Texas, and with how they struggled Saturday against Houston, I don't see a single opponent the rest of the way that can't expose at least some of the flaws that this Longhorn football team has, and especially as I look at that matchup with Kansas State on November mm, 4th. Yeah. That is the one I'm circling because lucky to have that game Johnson, in Austin. Avery Johnson has given that Wildcat program some juice. And Will Howard played a lot better, too. He's played a lot better since stinking it up. He was horrible in Stillwater. By the way, Mike Gundy, I don't know what you were thinking the first uh, three weeks of the regular season. I mean, it's almost coaching uh, malpractice, but they've got their act together. Ollie Gordon is playing <laughs> They're getting as well top as, 25 votes. I mean, Ollie Gordon, man, what a stud. What a stud. Cowboys getting some confidence. By the way, um, think about this. Malik Murphy. One big hit away from also having an issue. Oh boy! And here comes <laughs> and Arch. Then you know what it. You know what time it is. Then it's Arch time. We'll see. Okay, Deer yeah. Creek Sooner mm-hmm. on the text line says, "How about Mule Shoes bad game management? Going for the first two, thus forcing them to go for two again late, which costs them overtime. Yep. I don't think that's bad game management, Deer Creek Sooner." I think in the moment that was the right call. At the end of the day, you convert either one of those two-point conversions, you're going to overtime. And USC has won an overtime game at home already this year. So they've proven that they get to that situation, they can come out on top. Maybe Caleb should have looked at the sideline when he was like Gavin Sawchuck did when he was running in on the first play after they had the pick six, right? Loco, Ohio says something smells of 2021 with Muleshoe. I think he bolts at the end of the season. I would love nothing more than this because I would have to sift back through the archives for an endless amount of time, but we could come up with a montage of how many times we have sat in these two seats, Steely, and talked about the fact that if Muleshoe were uh, Southern California's head coach come 2024, it would be a surprise. Yeah, especially with the Big Ten move on well, the horizon. Well, he basically said, "I'm here for a long time," you know, during the press conference, which is exactly what he yeah. said in 2021 uh, about yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. Exactly what he said. Uh, Blue of Green Country says, "I used to referee. Linesman refs should come in towards where the ball carrier gets to, instead of just standing way on the sidelines to get a good view of the spot. Looked like big lineman may have blocked the view too. All in all, bad spot. I." 
Yes, it was a bad spot. However, I'm not absolving Dana Holgerson because he has a six foot five, two hundred and forty pound quarterback. Yes, he decided what to roll out that? on Jeez. fourth and inches. Ridiculous. Stillwater Sooner says, new nickname for USC, the Avocado Aggies. <laughs> That's pretty dang good. Yeah, From the 918, Caleb wasn't even man enough to get off his butt to congratulate Utah on a hard-fought win. Poor sportsmanship. That, I mean, does that bother me like 10 out of 10? No, it does bother it, me. It, uh, right. He should have gotten up eventually because it became, oh, my gosh, look at me. How sad I am over here. Okay, dude. Yeah. E Freaky from Illinois says, I don't know if Muleshoe is paranoid. He does strike me as an elitist who doesn't feel he should have to defend himself. Yes. Boom. I I think both could be true. I think both could be true. Oh, uh, this is what I was thinking of. Sooner Bump says, remember when he didn't let Caleb Williams talk to Holly Rowe and she went off on Twitter? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. It's... Uh... I don't know. It's just uh, we we kind of thought that this would happen over time, and again, it has. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Sooners, Kansas this weekend. Oklahoma, man, they're going to have to play better to win out than they did Saturday. But, again, the good news so far, this football team, whenever – the game has said, you better make a big play or have a big drive here or you're not winning. They've answered the call every time so far. But got to play a lot better, obviously, and this is going to be a similar kind of offense with Daniels available Saturday in Lawrence. All right, stay with us. Coming right back. Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans. That's a nice bumper for Mule Shoe right there. Yes, a little paranoid. Early... Ozzy Sabbath, good stuff. I would say there's a little uh, paranoia there with uh, Mule Shoe. More than a little bit. No, more than a little bit. Available. I should have got the clip. It, it was pretty I, generic, but the USC announcers, Pete Arbogast and that crew, they're veterans. And they were like, "Well, we're being told that no USC players will be <laughs> available for the uh, the post game, ladies I, and gentlemen. That's just the way the new regime is." I just I I wish somebody and maybe they did and I just missed it. I wish some reporter would have asked him why no players were made available because I would have loved to hear his defense of that. Would have loved to hear it. Because that is legitimately something I have never seen or heard of being done before. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Anybody heard anything from Clark Stroud, his lackey? <laughs> He was uh, he was standing on the sidelines wearing a very similar outfit to Mule Shoe on Saturday. I didn't see him for full, that upset full beard, loss. Waving a towel, all that BS. Was it an upset loss? Was you? I guess USC was favored in that game. Yeah, four and a half. I had, uh, or was it six? It might have been six and a half when I got it earlier in the week. Oh had, yeah, because you had it as your upset. I had my upset. Rumble, so ready yes, to go, ready to go. That in and of itself means they were favored by at least five points. How would it feel to be a professional coattails rider? Ride some. I know a few coattails. of them. I mean, Stroud is the definition of that, right? Blackie. Well-paid lackey, but still. 
subservient to mule shoe. That's going to be a horrible, <laughs> horrible lifestyle. Gosh, what ugh, what a life. Yeah. Imagine that's your job, to be the right-hand man to what, – what do you think is the best word to describe what mule shoe is? Narcissist, maybe. Okay, I mean, if it's as simple as that. Paranoid narcissist. You get paid to be the right-hand man to a paranoid narcissist. You think Clark Stroud is enjoying his life? Oh, I'm sure he thinks it's great out there in California. You know, whatever. But when the walls start tumbling down, John Mellencamp, it's not going to be as much fun. And the walls, they're tumbling, tumbling down. We might have to play that as a bumper also. All right, 405-651-3439, Kadippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Local Ohio says, with Washington's performance and Penix Jr. turning the ball over three times, what's the race look like for the Heisman in y'all's opinion? The current Vegas favorite is Michigan quarterback J.J. J. McCarthy, J. McCarthy, which is wild. Yeah, it is. How and drastically this race has shifted in the last two weeks. And Steely, they haven't played anybody. Dylan Gabriel. He's, I, things are opening up for him. Things are really opening yeah, up for him. Yeah, it's there for the taking. He's got as good of a shot as anybody right now, and Mich- he hasn't had a dud yet. Michigan has beaten East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, and Michigan State. Nice nice job by the uh, Michigan State game ops over the weekend. Hey, let's put the Fuhrer on the, uh, <laughs> on the big screen. That would well, be good. At least... Oklahoma no longer holds the distinction of having suffered the worst 49 to nothing shutout loss in a Power 5 <laughs> rivalry series this decade. Because oh Michigan State gosh. had more Hitlers on the scoreboard than points that, Saturday. How I mean, for a school right now that has taken a lot of hits, I mean, you had Larry freaking Nasser. I mean, one of the most evil scumbags of all time. You had what's happened with Mel Tucker. You've had, you know, all of this stuff happening. And then you decide, hey, I understand it was probably they co-opted that thing from somewhere else. But still, you might want to check. (laughs) I mean, that picture is going to live on until the end of time. Remember when Michigan State had the Fuhrer on their scoreboard? (laughs) Like, I just... (laughs) Some part of me legitimately wants to know how that happens, and some part of me is just like, I don't need to know. I just need to be able to poke fun at Michigan State. Can you imagine the dude running in some higher up? Who put Hitler on the scoreboard, you idiot? (laughs) Sir, sir, we contracted that out. I have no idea how the Fuhrer ended up on the scoreboard. When your athletic department is sending out an apologetic (laughs) press release before the game ends, that's how you know you screwed up royally. Not a good look. All right, 405-651-3439. From the 405, Steely, this is a first-time texter, by the way. (laughs) Steely, your mule shoe haterade is off the charts with electrolytes. I had to finally block a couple people because I give it up, Steely, on Saturday. You know what? And I just decided, you know what? Shut up. I'm not dealing with you anymore, so block, block. Yeah, hey, uh, speaking of people who are blocked, I, I kind of wish... I kind of wish we hadn't blocked Ethan Downs hater. Yeah, but he's just he's, to try, just to like, because right now I would love to know. Bring him back for one day. Oh, gosh, we I'd have to scroll down for far too long to actually 
the guy just arrived my, to his. He, he's just a sad sack, horrible human being, though. <laughs> You know yeah. who leads the Sooners in sacks and tackles for loss right now? Ethan Guy Downs. named Ethan Freaking Downs. Ethan Weatherford, Downs. Oklahoma zone. They had Frisco Sooner. They had a trivia contest running. Was it before the game? It was or before, like, the, before game. the game. And it said, what country was Hitler born in? Which is Austria. Accompanied by a picture. Uh, with a giant picture of the Fuhrer right there on their scoreboard. Just go ahead and put Hitler, Michigan State in your browser, and you'll see it. So, anyway. All right, 405-651. Look, here's the deal on Muleshoe. Yes, is it uh, is it super petty? Oh, yeah. This is as petty as it gets, man. Richard Petty. You know, the king of petties. Tom Petty. No, Tom's the king of petties. Well, for the rednecks, it's Richard Petty. For the petty. rednecks, it's Richard. For the sophisticated people out in L.A., of course, it's Tom Petty. But... Um, the sophisticated people I out in don't L.A. don't like, listen to classic rock. I don't like phony, full-of-themselves, narcissistic jerks. And that's what Mule Shoe is. I don't know how he had us fooled, but he did. And uh, I still want a cage match between Mule Shoe and uh, my uncle at halftime. Big John from Texas says, Steel Man, you better not ever lose your venom. On that little B word out west. <laughs> if you ever do, we will know to check for a pulse. Sugar he, commi- he committed crimes against the University of Oklahoma, major felonies, given the keys to a Mercedes, thought he was too good, didn't get his way. Oh, you know, big old narcissistic baby, soft, all of that stuff. And yes, I'm going to keep, I don't care how many people say, give it up, man, move on. No. If you want to uh, approve of narcissistic, egomaniac, paranoid jerks, then be my guest. I'm going to enjoy every loss. Every loss. From a Texas listener. Steely, more mule shoe talk now, please. <laughs> I, I was talking to my lovely wife, and uh, I said, you know what? I enjoyed the USC game more than the Oklahoma game. How about you? And she said, Yes. <laughs> Because you had to sweat out the Oklahoma game, but you just knew with that time left on the clock, this is going to end in a Shakespearean tragedy for Muleshoe, and it was awesome. It was great. Okay, 405-651-3439. Reggie Powers, what's up with EPL? What's going on with Tristan Haynes? Got a lot of stuff to talk about recruiting-wise, too. Jesse Crittenden will be talking also at 135. How about the rise of Jesse Crittenden? He's really good, isn't he? I tell you, Steely, our team at OU Insider is chock full of impressive characters. Not just Jesse, but if you've seen the work of our guy Brian Clinton, both Jesse and Brian, mm-hmm. as well as their podcast, The Oklahoma Drill, man, yep. we are fortunate, Brandon and I, to have those two dudes along for the ride with us. They are both excellent reporters with excellent minds for the game. I haven't seen Brian yet, but I hear good things. I hear good things. Jesse, moving forward, I am want 5% of uh, all future earnings because we created Jesse Crittenden, the monster that Jesse Crittenden is going to become, right? Really? Yes, we did. So 5% of all future earnings. And uh, if he gets ownership, 
stake in a team, you know, like Caleb, <laughs> like Williams, Caleb Williams, then I want 8%. I'll tell you uh, who has ownership of USC, Kyle Whittingham. So much fun. All right, hour number two presented by Oklahoma Generator. You can reach them at 405-321-6631. Proud to have them aboard for hour number two. Online at okgen.com. Family owned and operated. Great customer service reviews. Oklahoma's highest rated and longest operating Generac dealer. Check them out again at okgen.com or reach them at 321-6631. If you're in Oklahoma... Uh, at some point, you're going to need a generator because, you know, the weather and everything, it's just a good idea. And they have the best reputation. Okay. Um, so what's going on with recruiting? Uh, questions we need answers to. Reggie Powers to Oklahoma. What's up with Eddie Pierre-Louis? Did not visit this weekend. Tristan Haynes, the four-star cornerback, 2025. Oklahoma. Uh, we know that Marcus James, the uh, 2025 athlete. Uh, November 2nd, uh, Michael Boganowski and Devin Jordan last week. Devin Jordan kind of came out of nowhere, the union cornerback. But what's the update on recruiting? I, I forgot to throw Grant Bricks in there. Let's start with uh, Reggie Powers. So out of respect for sources, I am not going to be putting in a prediction for Reggie Powers. But uh, consider this. My prediction, I expect Reggie Powers to end up in Oklahoma's class. There you go. The visit this weekend went very well. He is a take all the way. Watch the film. That boy's a dog. Oklahoma's defensive back haul, I believe, in the next week or two is poised to get a lot more impressive, even more so than it already is with the potential addition of Reggie Powers. Eddie Pierre-Louis. Supposed to be on campus. Did not happen. Do we know... Why it didn't happen, or what's up? So I look. I've been kind of digging our rivals national analyst John Garcia, who has a lot of deep seated connections down in the southeast around Tampa, where Eddie's from. He's been digging as well, and they've been kind of getting the run around. Uh, obviously, coming in for an eleven a.m. kick was kind of. I mean, there are a few mm-hmm. logistical hurdles to clear. Um, it sounds as though. And I do not have this a hundred percent confirmed, but I've spoken a couple of spoken to a couple of sources that have led me to believe that this is the case. So neither Eddie Pierre Louis nor Kobe Black attended Oklahoma's game this past Saturday. It sounds as though both of them now intend to be in Norman for Oklahoma's next home game on November eleventh against West Virginia. So again, especially with Black, you take it with a grain of salt until they actually show up, but. That, from what I have been told, is the plan, the tentative plan for both of those guys to be back in Norman for Oklahoma's next home game, which may be an 11 a.m. kick as well. Who knows? But at least at that point, in all likelihood, their respective seasons are going to be over. Grant Bricks, what do we know? (laughs) Well, what I know is he's heavily leaning Oklahoma. Okay. What I also know is that no – absolute decision has been made staffs have not been informed of the call from the bricks family but i like where oklahoma sits i know that uh bill biedenbo has been in regular contact with him and his family uh even more so than usual over the last couple of weeks and with 
Nebraska not looking terribly impressive right now. With Malachi Kansas Coleman, though, yeah. hauled yeah. in a little TD pass over yeah. the weekend. How about yeah. that? Well, I never going to let that one go. Mm-hmm. But between Nebraska's mediocrity and Kansas State not looking too terribly impressive, have shown some life, but. Obviously not 7-0 and like Oklahoma is. Again, basically everything I said last week about Bricks still holds up. It's kind of just a matter of when the call gets made, I expect him to be a Sooner right now. Uh, Tristan Haynes, 2025 four-star cornerback, another in-state kid. We heard about Let- Marcus, Marcus James, November 2nd, his announcement. Expected BOU, Tristan Haynes. I, I am of the expectation right now. And we have talked about this possibility of Oklahoma going 4-for-4 four four at Carl Albert in the 2025 class between Kevin Sperry, Tristan Haynes, Marcus James, and Trene Washington. And I have long said I think Trene Washington might be the toughest pull just because you kind of have to figure out where he fits and sell him on a vision. I am of the opinion after this past weekend that Oklahoma does get the clean sweep done at Carl Albert. There you go. I think they do go four for four in the 2025 class. <laughs> I just looked down at 918. I'm late, but OFU, OFU. The Oklahomans for Utah organization is very popular, and the people of Utah, they love OFU too. One common enemy. Is this the real big game boomer texting in from the 918? I don't know. Maybe. Big Game Boomer, or someone claiming to be Big Game Boomer, says, It is an absolute embarrassment that the University of Oklahoma cannot find a reliable field goal kicker. It is unacceptable. BV cannot come out and tell us with a straight face that he has complete confidence in Schmidt. If we can't figure that part of the game out, it will cost us a game. Now, I I do not entirely disagree with Big Game Boomer there. And I do – I was kind of taken aback. I wouldn't say alarmed, but I, I didn't think it was the best idea. For Venables to come out Saturday and say, oh, yeah, I got full confidence in Zach Schmidt. He's our kicker. Because Zach Schmidt has missed four of his past eight kicks. Yeah, missed but, two on Saturday. But what is he supposed to say? you got to keep him oh, think, okay. thinking positive, here's, though, right? Here's what I would have preferred Brent Venables to say. And okay. I think many would have preferred Brent Venables to say this. Yeah, obviously we'll evaluate where we stand on the practice field. We got other guys that are – capable of making kicks for us and so we'll we'll take a look this week at uh what our options are and go from there because you don't have to replace Zach Schmidt you don't have to commit to pulling that guy off the field and throwing Gavin Marshall or Reddy Mustafa Raj in his place but if you hand kicking duties back to Zach Schmidt and everybody knows okay there was legitimate competition here like there was the opportunity given for Marshall and or ready to unseat Zach Schmidt, then they're satisfied with that. But when you say, no, you know what? He's our kicker. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. Then I don't think that plays too well in the eyes of the fans because they want to know that the guy's not retaining the job just because the – seeds of faith that were planted before the season are averse to being uprooted because right now I I don't know maybe Brent Venables has reason to be confident in Zach Schmidt 
Brent Venables, I'm sure sees a lot more than a lot more of Zach Schmidt mm-hmm. than any of us do. But by the same token, when you have a kicker who is very obviously struggling, at least at least open the door a little bit, even if it's only in the public eye, to the idea of a kicker competition. So you're saying it's a bunch of bullshit, is what you're saying. That's not <laughs> I will say. Uh, my dad, who is generally a doomer, and texts me about all the negative things that are happening for OU football. He did text me Saturday after the game and said, the kicking this week was Schmitty. <laughs> and, See, not, olds, and not Jerry Schmidt. Olds are on the same wavelength. Uh-huh. We're looking for bad puns is what we do. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So. Like, look, that's, that's one of those things that's going to end up costing you a game at some point if it doesn't get better. And maybe it does get better. Maybe Zach Schmidt sharpens things up down the stretch. Maybe he regains the focus. Maybe the accuracy improves. And maybe this is all a moot point a few weeks down the road. But I promise you, if you end up losing a game because of kicking, there are going to be plenty of folks that point back to that press conference Saturday and go, why on earth wouldn't Brent Venables at least open the door for competition when he had a kicker that was struggling? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. 405 Just, just one man's opinion. 34-39. Somebody's telling me not to talk about Lincoln Riley again. Did I see that? Scrolling by? No. Lincoln Riley is timely conversation right now. It okay. is compelling conversation. We reserve the right to talk about Mule Shoe on these airwaves, especially in the aftermath of his third consecutive loss to Kyle Whittingham. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... Youth. You don't like to see Taylor Swift on the screen, but guess what? The TV networks know that Taylor Swift brings in a lot of different eyeballs, so they don't care if Uh you don't like, you know, seeing Taylor Swift on the screen. It it, it says a lot about your kicking situation when I've seen these words dozens of times over the weekend. Can Liam Evans early enroll right now? (laughs) You know, typically, like, typically when you have a prized commit at a particular position – and the current stable at that position is less than impressive. I remember at the beginning of the season, people were going, can Devon Mitchell wear crimson and cream tomorrow? I mean, it's just it's one of those jokes that you make. When people are saying that about a kicker, you got issues. Mm-hmm. I will say, yeah. you know who came up big Saturday? Luke Elzinga. Luke Elzinga was like Ray Guy, man. That was unbelievable. The Josh Plaster experience. I think we can officially close the book on that. The Plaster disaster uh, tour is over for now. Luke Elzinga, man. What do you average? Like 51 a kick? 51.8 yards per pass. How about that? Luke. Sorry. But he was awesome. (laughs) Listener in the 405 said, the only thing Zach Schmidt should be kicking is rocks. From the three one zero, maybe Zach Schmidt could kick some burritos to get his luck to turn around. You think it works the other way? I don't know. Maybe it threw maybe. It threw Gabe Burkich out of rhythm. You Gabe think it throws Zach Schmidt into rhythm? Gabe Burkich finally consumed a burrito recently, so maybe who knows? All right, why don't we take a quick break right here? Stay on schedule. Uh, we do have Jesse Crittenden coming up at one thirty five. We're going to get to as many texts as we can. Four zero five six five one. 3439 Kenipa Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Keep those texts rolling in. We're trying to keep up with them here on the Home of Sooner fans. Hi, welcome back. 
if you are in your 40s or older and that eyesight's giving you some issues, like, man, I, I thought I saw that ball and I thought that spot was good, but it wasn't good. Well, you need to learn about the new LASIK, or as we call it, lens replacement. Lens replacement provides a permanent solution to your vision needs. Unlike LASIK, which often leaves patients needing reading glasses or adjusting to monovision, lens replacement can eliminate the need for additional eyewear, those old man glasses, after surgery. The best part of the whole deal with lens replacement, you will never require a cataract surgery. Lens replacement The new LASIK, it is a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at thenewlasik.com. 405-651-3439, Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. I have news for you, Steely. Uh, Let's hear it. Do you know what I did in the immediate aftermath of watching Kyle Whittingham take down Mule Shoe, Clark Stroud, and Alex Grinch? You had uh, an Olipop shot. That would have been a good idea. That's not actually what I did. Uh, my wife and I were already planning on being up late that evening because we didn't have to get up until church, which is at 1030 for us on Sunday mornings. So, you know, we have an 11 a.m. kick on Saturdays. Generally, we got some time to hang out, just kick back and relax on those Saturday evenings. So we finished Breaking Bad. Really? We finished there Breaking Bad on Saturday evening. How about it? A plus, right? <laughs> it's up there with any show I've ever watched. It's pretty no good. No doubt about it. Now you've got to do Better Call Saul. Really? That's, yeah. that's a lot of commitment, Steely. It is a lot of commitment. Just but finished one at, show. I'm like, Ugh. At some point, now, Better Call Saul is more of a slow burn. Okay. Then, Wait, Breaking Bad isn't a slow burn? It is a slow burn, but this is a slower burn. Wow, okay. But it's really, 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 really good. Just hang with it. They the, the problem with Better Call Saul, and I just finished, finally, after the final season, I went back, because I missed, like, the last two seasons, and I went back, caught up with it again, and finished it right at the end, but they kept taking, like, we're going to take a year and a half off, or two years before the next season, but it's really, it's really good. Okay, 405-651-3439. To the text line we go from the 918. Love the show. Just curious. Whoa, this is the first time texter. Love the show. Just curious. What do you see as DG's weakest aspect of his game? Man. Um, maybe deep ball accuracy. You know, it's a little erratic. But I, My answer would be zip. That is one thing that Gabriel lacks on his ball. He lacks zip. He lacks elite velocity, which is fine. You can overcome that deficiency with anticipation and with good ball placement. And for the most part, DG anticipates well, and he places the ball well. So it doesn't really hurt him. But you do notice it, especially on throws to the perimeter. The ball hangs up there a little bit longer than uh, it does for other quarterbacks. You know, for instance, and I'll make the easiest comparison, the guy sitting on the bench right now, the guy – Second string, wearing number 10. That dude's got elite zip on his ball. Yeah. And so yeah. Jackson Arnold, I mean, he can fling it out there to perimeter with a snap of his wrist, and it's getting there quick. Dylan Gabriel, the release isn't as fast, and the ball doesn't get there as immediately. But, again, that's not something that can't be overcome. 
with excellent play and excellent skills, excellent technique in other aspects of all that encompasses the quarterback position. And I think the the one thing I've always said about DG is that he plays within himself very well. He knows his own limitations, physical and otherwise, and he knows what he needs to do in order to compensate for them in real time. And so generally, it does not affect his play on the football field. All right, I'll agree with that. By the way, I just got a text. Steely, what do you think if the Sooners play like they did Saturday, will they win out? Well, the answer is no. They won't win out. But, again, uh, you've got to hope if you're an Oklahoma fan that, you know, that was just one of those way-off performances. I think what happened again, the defense came out and stuffed UCF four straight possessions. The offense didn't convert, do enough. Uh, Zach Schmidt's missed field goals kind of cost some momentum. The energy in the crowd wasn't quite the same after all of that. And UCF's a better team with uh, uh, with John Rice Plumley at quarterback. And, you know, their, their offense was averaging around 500 yards a game, one of the, the best rushing offenses the Sooners have played. And they, for the most part, did a pretty good job in that department. But here's the deal. The thing that impresses me, is that when the Sooners have had to make big plays or put together, you know, big drives, whether it's offense or defense, they've been able to do it. Now, the problem with that is eventually it won't happen. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a receiver drops a football on a drive. Or maybe, you know, you can't, you can't rely on a goal line stand every single game. Although Jaron Canicks, which I thought that was kind of a weak call, particularly if they're going to let one dude run down the sideline and blow kisses on the way into the end zone, that was pretty weak. But um, you know, you just you can't live that dangerously all the time, Parker. That's my only point. And uh, Kansas and Oklahoma State, man, these are going to be two big tests. Well, with Daniels coming back, especially, and Ollie Gordon turning into Jim Brown and <laughs> and Barry Sanders. Yeah, Ollie Gordon is good. Ollie Gordon is really good. There might not be – you might be able to count on one hand the amount of running backs across the nation playing yeah. better than Ollie Gordon right now. I haven't seen one better. Kylan Brokenbow says, Gabriel is what the baseball world has coined a crafty lefty. I like that a lot. Uh, and another listener pointed out, and this is exactly the throw that I was going to reference as well, the out route he threw to Farouk on the last drive of the Texas game hung in the air forever, it seemed. And again, that was anticipation mm-hmm. and timing because that's a ball where if Dylan Gabriel throws it as Jalil Farouk is making the break on his route, that ball's getting pick off, picked off and run back for six. So he's got to throw it before Farouk breaks yeah, on his route. right? And it's got to be right there when Farouk turns around. Jeremy in Tulsa, Josh Heupel had no zip as well. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of comparisons there. Heady quarterback, Josh Heupel, again, just managed to make enough key throws, and he was a great uh, football mind, had high IQ, great leader, all that stuff. And we, we've seen Dylan Gabriel turn into a great leader as well. By the way, uh, somebody said Better Call Saul is a slow burn the way that Peyton Bowen's recruitment was a slow burn, which has officially ruined Better Call Saul for me. Uh-oh. I, I'm not going to be able to touch it now, Steely. Now that that comparison has been made, I can't put myself through 
the Peyton Bowen recruitment a second time. At some it was point, agonizing. At some point, though, you will have one of those periods where there's nothing to watch. There's no new stream, and that's when you make the call for Better Call Saul. KW918 says the game wasn't surprising. It was a tough matchup. UCF has good athletes, a mobile QB, the weakness of BB's defense, and Malzahn is an offensive savant. Their weakness is run D, and we can't run the ball on anybody. Seven games in, we're still playing musical chairs on the O-line. And I think that's going to be figured out. I think once McCade Mattire gets back, and he actually played Saturday. couple like he special teams, right? He played a couple of special team snaps. Yeah. So, gosh, I did, I did not expect that at all. But apparently he is healthy enough to at least go in with the field goal unit. But once McCade Mattire is completely back, it is Mattire at right guard, it is Caden Green at left guard, and you can forget the whole revolving door thing. It's no longer mm-hmm. it's no longer a case of, okay, which combination works best. I think at this point you know what combination works best. And Caden Green had another excellent game Saturday. You know what we should do in uh, the break? What we should we should, do? Uh, why don't we do uh, Utah beats USC Seinfeld style? We'll do that into the break. We'll do it into the break, and then we'll come back with Jesse Crittenden, and then we have uh, a lot more in your text of your text on the way as well. But let's do a little uh, uh, the Utes beat USC Seinfeld style here. Second down for Barnes. Pressure coming. He runs. Barnes across the 40. And he's inside the 20. Gets 26 yards. And now Utah is in position for a field goal. Wow. <laughs> Definitely not a feeling uh, that I want to get used to. Um, yeah, as gut-wrenching a defeat as I can remember in my career. We got a Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. We got a, we got ourselves a pig farmer at quarterback. So, so uh, we're, we're proud of that guy, too. No one, the only Jesse Crittenden, uh, OU Insider, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on uh, Steel Man and Thune Monday edition. Jesse, the Sooners were an 18-point favorite. Uh, do you think they overlooked UCF after, uh, you know, basking in the uh, glow of that Texas victory? Or do you think it was more about lack of execution that kept uh, UCF in the game? Yeah, I would say probably more towards the latter, but it's an interesting thing just because I mean I think UCF is a is kind of a weird three and four team. They were they were really hard to kind of judge coming into the game, you know, because obviously John Rice probably hasn't played a lot this season, and I think that UCF team is be- I mean is is different and better when he's on the field. But I think I think you look you know from an Oklahoma point of thing, point of view, I mean some things are are, are you know, a little disappointing. I mean, the fact that the running game, I mean, it, the running game got some things going late, but for the most part really struggled against, again, against a UCF team um, that's one of the worst in the country at defending the run. Um, you know, obviously, Tawi Walker didn't play. McKay McTower didn't play on the offensive line. Uh, but you would still would have expected OU to, to have a much better performance on the ground. You know, the passing game outside of Nick Anderson, just not a ton of explosive plays. 
Um, you know, and and I, I think that was pretty disappointing. Oh, you only had five, only had four plays or four passing plays of 15 yards or more, average just 10 yards per completion. And defensively, I mean, there were some good moments, but to give up a couple of really big plays like that, I think it's. I think it ultimately comes down to I think UCF played pretty well, and I think you have to give them credit. I don't know if Oklahoma necessarily looked past UCF, but I think regardless, you would have liked to have seen a better performance at home on, on both sides of the ball, and that, that simply just didn't happen. Jesse, I hadn't really considered this, but was having a conversation this morning with somebody that intoned it might have been a factor, and so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. But there are – folks involved at the staff and administrative level uh, with that UCF program that have been around since the days of the Jeff Lebby regime. Well, more accurately, the Josh Heupel regime. But when Jeff Lebby was OC at UCF, there were and there are holdovers on that staff that were around when Lebby was calling the plays for the Knights. You think the familiarity there with some of Lebby's go-to play calls and tendencies in certain situations made the going a bit more difficult offensively for Oklahoma. That certainly could be could be a part of it. I mean, I think if you look back, um, if you look back and watch the game, I do think you know UCF's defense was pretty prepared, and I actually thought that was a that was a decent uh, performance by UCF overall. It did seem like they had a really good game plan coming in. I mean, they, they did a pretty good job, all things considered, of, of limiting OU's rushing attack and, again, not really letting the passing game uh, do much vertically. I, I think that's, that's partially true for sure. But I, I think, again, it's still, despite all of that, I think you would have wanted to see, um, you know, even without Tawi Walker, I think it was, I mean, OU had 57 rushing yards in the first half. And, the, you know, this is talking about a defense that was, 123rd in rushing coming into the game. They gave up 399 rushing yards, uh, you know, to Kansas the game before. So, I mean, I think it, it kind of – the game kind of reminded me of, of the SMU game in a way where, you know, they found some – you know, they made some plays late. But for a lot of that game, the offense was just disjointed. So, I think it's hard to know how much of it was UCS game plan and how much was it, you know, missing Andrew Anthony. How big of a role did that play? Um, you know, did, did, you know, was the play calling a little too conservative at times? Again, you know, a win's a win. Uh, and, uh, you know, and there's obviously going to be things to clean up, you know, after every game. But I do think there were things that were maybe a little alarming considering OU's going to have better opponents moving forward. And, you know, again, I think you do factor in that familiarity from UCF to some degree. But again, OU's going to play tougher opponents. And so I think it was, there were good moments, but a lot of, a lot of really tough moments that I think were that were a little disheartening. Yeah, you start with uh, Kansas this Saturday, 11 a.m. on Fox, and uh, KU Daniels, good chance he's coming back. Kansas, undefeated at home. You know, you've got BYU down the road, undefeated at home. you got Oklahoma State. They lost, you know, to South Alabama when Mike Gundy was inexplicably not getting the ball to uh, Braden, uh, Brendan Presley and uh, – and uh, Ollie Gordon, I think combined they had, uh, f- was it five or seven touches in that game? It was a ridiculous amount. Anyway, so you've got some tough, uh, particularly these next two weeks coming up. Jesse, uh, what are you thinking about Oklahoma's chances of, of running the table at this point? And again, those three road games, uh, we knew they'd be somewhat challenging, but now that with each week, they tend to look a little more challenging. 
Yeah, I think Saturday was a good reminder to everybody and hopefully to the team and, and to the media and to fans. I'm as guilty as anybody after that Texas game thinking, uh, you know, I just don't see a loss on this schedule. And, you know, I said that as much as anybody else did, but I think the reality is, for one, winning is really, really hard. It really doesn't matter the opponent. I mean, oh, you have not gone undefeated in a regular season since 2004. I mean, you even look at, you know, the 2000 National Championship season, that included a 12 to 7 win over Oklahoma State. Uh, yep. Oklahoma State that yep. wasn't very good. So I think Saturday was a reminder that one, uh, it's hard to win any given week. Two, I do think that the, the schedule is starting to look a little bit tougher. Oklahoma State has been really impressive the last three last three weeks. And I think the thing from Saturday is I think both things can be true. That it's good to get a win. However, the things that have kind of that have been a bit of a struggle this season again showed up on Saturday. I think the reality is OU's running game has to be significantly better if they want to run the table moving forward. They're going to play better defenses. And uh, the running game and some of the other struggles they had on Saturday nearly bit them against UCF. And, again, they've got to go on the road uh, for a few of these games. So, I, I mean, I, you still got to like OU's chances. Weird things happen, right? I mean, Texas almost lost to Houston in a game that they were, uh, you know, more than a three-touchdown favorite. So weird things happen. But – um, OU has to play better than they did on Saturday. A win's a win, and that's great, but they have to play better on Saturday if they want to beat Kansas and Oklahoma State. Those games are going to be very, very tough. That kind of feeds into my next question, Jesse, which is, in an ultimate sense, how high do you think this Oklahoma team can fly if they don't get the backfield situation figured out? Because right now, Marcus Major leads this team with 308 rushing yards through seven games. You throw out the COVID season in 2020, the Sooners have had at least one 1,000-yard rusher every single year since 2012. Obviously, that streak's coming to an end one way or another. Yeah, and I think the tough thing is you look at Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon. I mean, uh, Steely mentioned him. Ollie Gordon had 286 rushing yards on Saturday. In one game, he nearly out-totaled every single OU running back's rushing yard total on the season. And I think that puts into, you know, kind of the into scope how tough this rushing game has been. I mean, I think it, it, to your question, though, what is the ceiling? It's capped. It's limited if, if this running game can't get going. And I think that's part of why we saw the struggles against UCF. If, if OU can't get the running game going, then that limits uh, you know, the ability for Dylan Gabriel and the wide receivers to get things going down the field. So, you know, again, it, and it's weird to think about it from Saturday, too, just because, you know, Tolly Walker has been the best running back on this team. He was out. Uh, McCain Matower has played huge snaps on the offensive line. He was out on Saturday. So you can look at that and say maybe things will be a little bit better moving forward. But really what we saw on Saturday, for the most part, was par for the course. And I do think uh, they're going to have to be – the rushing game is going to have to be significantly better if OU uh, not only just wants to run the table, but if they want to get through the regular season pretty much unscathed. So I think that is – if you're looking at one question moving forward as to what OU has to improve at if they want to get where they want to go, it's the rushing game bar none, 100%. That's what's got to be improved. Jesse, good stuff. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Jesse Crittenden joining us. And uh, as we said, you know, uh, John Rice Plumley coming back makes them, you know, a little bit of a different team. They had played uh, Timmy McLean. 
Uh, but UCF, you know, they looks like they got some players on that squad, and uh, clearly it was a different team. They, uh, you know, they gave up that uh, 35-7 lead, lost 36-35 to Baylor. But uh, that looked like a pretty good team. And a Gus Malzahn offense is never totally easy to uh, to defend. So, anyway, we'll see. Going to be an interesting next couple weeks. Two really tough tests, I believe, for the Sooners with KU in Lawrence and OSU in Stillwater. All right, break time. Mike Steely, Parker Thum. Don't forget we're going to get locked in coming up 2 o'clock. Parker and uh, Tyler McComas talking about a lot of recruiting stuff. Wino APL over the weekend, Reggie Powers to OU and more. That's coming up later. Stay with us. All right, we are back. One more segment, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line uh, from Twitter. Steely, what are the chances the Sooners rooster out on all these games? Uh, because of the game in Provo, I do not think uh, they'll rooster out. But I, we haven't heard anything on Oklahoma State yet. But um, I believe all signs are pointing to rooster on that one. We know that TCU's a rooster. I would say there's a, a pretty good chance there's a, a West Virginia rooster too. But I can't see the Provo-BYU uh, matchup being a rooster. I mean, it's just you never know. You don't think the Sooners are going to rooster out, do you? I sure hope not, especially that BYU game. The only ones up for grabs are OSU, West Virginia, and BYU. But, yeah, BYU, I think, would end the uh, the rooster streak. I do think that Oklahoma State will be announced as a rooster, which, you know, 11 a.m. Bedlam, all right, we'll see. But that 11 a.m. Uh, time slot is now much more coveted than it used to be. It's totally different. Okay, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Thanks again to Oklahoma Generator. Uh, check them out at okgen.com. Call them up if you need uh, need a new generator. Got one that's uh, not working quite as well. If you don't have one, 405-321-6631. From the 918, to pile on Mule Shoe Moore, the greatest thing to happen ever was not him leaving – but him taking Alex Grinch and Benny Wiley with him. They'll never be a serious program with a strength and conditioning program like they have. I concur. I definitely concur. Wilt Fong Fong to Reggie Powers to OU. So, so there's there that. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and uh, you know, there were other predictions out there as well. But And you talked about you thought that was going to be happening as well. So looks like uh, Michigan State's loss is the Sooners' game. But who wants to go to a place where they put the Fuhrer on the pregame score of video board? Jeez. You think about that place, Larry Nasser running around, Mel Tucker allegedly hitting on, you know, Tracy, what's her name? I'm drawing. Brenda Tracy. Brenda Tracy. There you I go. mean, just. Hire some people who aren't scumbags and see how it works out. All right. Apparently easier said than done in East Lansing, I Michigan. I guess so. I guess so. Oki Tom says 11 a.m. time makes it hard for recruits to play Friday night and get to Norman Saturday. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, yeah. my, that's my main beef with it because I actually love, as a, as a journalist, I love 11 a.m. kickoffs because it enables me to 
actually have some of my Saturday left when postgame coverage is wrapped you up. You need to watch evening but, football. Exactly. But it hurts the program from a recruiting standpoint. Because nobody, unless they are hyper-local, is going to be able to make a trip in. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Maybe that's what happened with EPL. I mean, I could see getting up. I'm already committed to Oklahoma, right? Do I have to go? You wake up early? I don't know. From, How, oh, go ahead. From another 918 listener. How is OSU able to have an elite running back performing amazing while OU struggles with, quote-unquote, superior talent at the running back position? Who's to blame? I don't know. Oklahoma State's had some pretty good running backs over the years. They have, man. The best of all time in Barry Sanders. You think about all those guys that led the country in rushing as well. So Oklahoma State's got a pretty good history. Now, some of those aren't big names that people would remember. Gerald Hudson and guys like that, Ernest Anderson. But um, Ollie Gordon, special man, he's big time. Now, he was running through some holes, and the West Virginia tackling was not very good. But they were they were opening what, what I would call gaping holes for him. Were the Sooners in on Ollie Gordon? No, they never offered him. Never offered. <laughs> what? what? <clears throat> Seriously? I'll have to look back at what his offer sheet looked like. Because I, I remember watching him in person mm-hmm. in high school, and he was an absolute hoss. I just can't remember how highly regarded he was coming out of high school. I want to say he was a four-star. Here you go. I'll give you the rundown. All right. So in the class of 2022, he was a composite four-star prospect. He had 18 total scholarship offers. Outside of Oklahoma State, those offers included Nebraska, TCU, Texas. He had a Texas offer. Missouri. Michigan, Arkansas, BYU, and several others. Utah as well. So, you know what? I A, good on Mike Gundy and his staff for getting mm-hmm. that dude to yeah. Stillwater, Oklahoma. No doubt. Because doing battle with the likes of Texas and Michigan and several other programs of that ilk, that's that's generally an uphill battle for a program like Oklahoma State. So good on them for being able to lock down Ollie Gordon. But, man, like, I, it does make you wonder. Yeah, so that was the, Barn, only, that was the Barnes not, and Sawchuck class? That was the Barnes and Sawchuck Maybe class. Maybe they just thought, hey, we got our two guys. And, and at that point, yeah. I would have said, okay, like, I agree. Because as good as Ollie Gordon was, Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes looked better on tape. I thought Javante Barnes was the best running back in that 2022 class. And I didn't think Gavin Sawchuk was outside the top five. Yeah. Been crazy. And it, I, look, you can talk about Barnes and Sawchuk have been banged up and everything. And Sawchuk, you know, had a little breakout in the second half for OU. But, man, Ollie Gordon looks uh, very special is how he looks. Really good. Indecisive Sooner says, we're going to lose to Kansas by three because Schmidt is expletive. Oki Tom says, "Rip Walt Garrison." Yeah, Walt Garrison. That was that's been a couple weeks for Walt Garrison. I need to play his uh, poem. I have that. Let me see if I can remember to put that in tomorrow. He was uh, Dallas Cowboy, Oklahoma State Cowboy, and real Cowboy. Walt Garrison. 
Wow. He was a character. Okay. Uh, by the way, Riverwind Casino this weekend, we have uh, two big shows happening for Rodney Carrington, a 7 p.m. show and a 10 p.m. show this Friday night on the 27th. Get your tickets online, riverwind.com, or you can go to the Showplace Theater box office. Uh, we had a great show. Beats and Bites finished up. Another season is gone. Gin Blossoms and Tonic. Uh, had a great show, and again, now I'll be thinking about everything at the Showplace Theater. Uh, Rodney Carrington, two shows again Friday, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Get your tickets online now or at the box office. In November, Aaron Lewis, Flatland Cavalry, Justin Moore. In December, Pete Davidson tickets again went on sale Friday. They're going quickly. Get online and get those. Lee Bryce in December, Ron White, December 30th, New Year's Eve, Midland at the Showplace Theater. And then in January, Boys to Men and comedian Joe Coy, Scotty McCreary in February with more big-time acts to come. Don't forget to get out this weekend, take part in the Friday night drawing, the 80K. Uh, actually, it's the 80K Friday Night Frights. And we also have a big costume contest happening Saturday night where you can win some money, a ghostly good time costume contest in the 20K Festival of Fright Saturday with 20 more thousand dollars of cash and bonus play up for grabs coming up Saturday night. So Riverwind is always something happening. Get out there this weekend, win some cash or bonus play, see a great show. All right. Have a great Monday. We'll see you.